Welcome to the Seabag Podcast, episode 19, with me, Micah, and Brian. Today, we'd like to welcome back to the show uh, Mr. Connor Moriarty with Reset Outdoors. Connor, thanks for coming back on, bud. Gentlemen, it is my pleasure. Thank you for having me back. Awesome. Uh, before we get started today, uh, we've got our promotional advertisement for the Warriors to Freedom Foundation. Uh, Brian, go ahead. The Warriors to Freedom Foundation is a nonprofit veteran service dog training program whose mission is providing a pathway that empowers veterans to heal. Veterans can utilize their personal dog if approved by training staff or a dog will be matched to the veteran. Once a dog is matched to the veteran, they begin working together, building trust and the skills necessary to allow ADA compliant public access. Through this process, accompanied with group sessions provided by a clinical social worker, veterans and their families have seen amazing progress towards emotional healing, empowerment, and post-traumatic growth. 100% of the proceeds that you, uh, if somebody is wishing to um, contribute, goes towards supporting the veteran throughout their dog's training. Um, on the website, if you go to um, warriorstofreedomfoundation.org, there are t-shirts and stickers for sale. Um, and so if uh, our listeners wouldn't uh, like to check them out, um, it's, a, it's a good... Um, it's a good cause that, that, that I can personally attest to that, that really helps the uh, transition process. So with that, Micah. Um, yeah, thanks man. And, and since we have people here that, uh, like you said, can attest to the training, uh, that's, that's firsthand experience for everybody listening, um, from Brian and, uh, and his, and his personally owned dog, um, so we're going to get to Connor and, uh, Connor again, welcome back, dude. And thanks for coming back on. Um, for those of you that, that don't know Connor, uh, go back. Um, I believe it's episode eight. Um, I could be a little bit wrong. We don't have that many episodes, so you won't have too much trouble finding it. Um, but, uh, go back and listen to our first, uh, first episode with Connor. Um, he kind of provides, uh, clinical therapy, um, with outdoor treatment, and uh, Connor, take it away. Uh, we're uh, we're introducing some new stuff with your company, uh, or you're introducing some new stuff with your company. And uh, let's uh, let's get and get to talking about it. Yeah. Uh, oh, geez, where to start? Well, so the name of the program is Vantage Point. The tagline is Elevated Self Care Support. And you know, there's a, of course, like anything, there's a bit of a backstory to it. And our business. Here at Reset Outdoors has two sides. There's the clinical services side, and then what we on the team here call team services. Clinical services is just what that sounds like. We do traditional psychotherapy here in the office, or now, of course, all uh, telehealth-based and through Zoom um, since, you know, the COVID's <laughs> around. And uh, and then COVID. team services, I, I know, it's, just, it's just getting its little sneaky tentacles into everything it feels like um the team services side was again working with groups uh for companies universities organizations and because of just how locked down everything's been up here we we have not been able to run groups um so we took a huge hit in revenue we were forced to uh kind of do what a lot of people have had to do now and figure out what was going to happen for us business-wise. And as is often the case, and I'm fighting the urge to ask you guys a question, um, but I'll finish my spiel here and then 
maybe ask you some questions because I don't want to talk for the entire podcast. Um, <laughs> but we had to innovate. We had to figure out uh, what we were going to do that could be considered safe, uh, you know, keeping our community and the people we work with, our clients, uh, safe, um, while also landing contracts that keep the revenue coming in. Um, and amazingly, and truthfully, and I, I, I'm not really sure how to, the words still elude me, but suffice it to say that this idea that like the beginning of it popped into my wife and I, we were having a conversation. It sort of popped out of the conversation um, and emerged over the course of like a couple of weeks of sort of just tangling with the concept. And we're re feeling really good about it, really proud of, of what it is. And as far as we know, there aren't any other programs that are approaching self-care in the way that we do at Vantage Point. Um, so a brief description, and I'm going to ask this question because uh, it feels like a good one. Um, but what we do is we have a team of clinician facilitators, right? Uh, as the, at this point, we've got four, along with a couple support staff that roll in our mobile base camp to a company, a corporate campus, a university campus, or some sort of centrally located accessible green space. We throw up our base camp. Members of the community or the company or the organization that we're serving can schedule 45 minute one-on-one -on -one walking sessions with one of our clinician facilitators. The purpose of the sessions is not therapy. We're not diagnosing, we're not head shrinking, we're not doing any of that stuff. What we're focusing on is trying to connect people with an effective self-care practice. Simply that. But we're doing that experientially. So rather than sitting in an office and talking about things that would be good to do to help you boost your well-being, boost your sense of resilience, increase cognitive function, empathy, all the things that we know happen simply from spending time outside, we're walking you through and helping you reconnect with your understanding in real time of how impactful and powerful and good those things are for you. Um, with the hope being that, you know, anybody that comes for a walk is going to feel better after 45 minutes, and then they're going to go with a refreshed understanding of the tools they have at their disposal that are free for them to use moving forward. And if they want to come back, they can come back anytime they want. We'll be there for uh, the, the minimum time frame is eight weeks uh, for two days a week. Um, we'll be set up ready for them. Wow. So as far as um, green space is concerned, um, how, how, how long are these, um, how long are these walks that you're going on? How much time is, is spent one-on-one? -on -one? About 45 minutes, okay. uh, you know, plus or minus, not plus or minus an additional 10 minutes or so for checking in, mm -hmm. you know, every session we got to sign a waiver. There's got to be some stuff like that. We will have, we have snacks and refreshments set up. So if somebody wants to roll into the tent real quickly and grab a snack or two for the walk and maybe grab a bottle of water or a cup of tea, they can do that. And they meet with their clinician and the, the walking time mm -hmm. is 45 minutes. Okay. I understand. So and I, I remember when I went through some of the therapy with you, um, what I found the most helpful of the whole process is having somebody kind of in your ear explaining what's going on. And when that happens, you're able to, at least I found myself able to 
can kind of connect with with what you're what you're trying to say and what you're what, like kind of like the object of being out there and i also i found that very helpful um have you ran this through like a trial period yet yeah we we've done test sessions with uh, about 15 people mm-hmm. um the idea of this though is to bring it to essentially contained organizations, teams, universities. We're focusing specifically, at least for the next six months, on uh, universities and healthcare systems. We're not going to turn anybody away. If there's anybody listening to this podcast that would be interested, please reach out. But um, we're trying to focus on the organizations in our community that we know are being hit really hard. Um, And here in Bethlehem, where Reset is headquartered, um, there are five universities uh, and three fairly large healthcare systems. Um, and, you know, we know frontline medical workers right now are, are really getting their butts kicked hard. They're working extra hours. Um, so so for the, the people that understood your your uh, pre-COVID um, formula to to helping people, what's uh, what's the, the key differences uh, in vantage point uh, in reference to um, your, your previous treatment. It's therapeutic. It's not therapy. You won't have the person that you're walking with your, your clinician facilitator will not be your clinician of record. You're not going to get it. You're not going to do an intake. You're not going to get a diagnosis. You're not going to get a treatment plan. Um, but what you are going to get is somebody to talk with if you want. And at the very least, you're going to get somebody to explain to you in real time, like Brian just talked about, um, to connect you with the physical and emotional experience and the physical and emotional shifts that are occurring by taking a gentle walk outside. Um, because the if you're paying attention, which is really the missing piece here, if you're paying attention, you can start to notice these shifts in as little as five or ten minutes. Um, but most of us, myself included, on days when I'm particularly scrambled, um, that's really hard to do unless you got somebody who who can point things out and ask you some questions to help you key in on the experience. Yeah, it's kind of, it seems to me like it's kind of um, a really good exercise for awareness and maintaining awareness of your your body and the state of mind that you're in. Um, On another note, I know that there's some pretty significant um, research that's been done for companies that provide what uh, green space to their employees and if i if you could could you kind of get into green space and what that entails yeah so green space as i loosely understand it and this is definitely not a definition that i have can call upon from any literature anywhere mm-hmm. but green space is just anywhere in a a, a contained area that has trees mm-hmm. really Ideally, it's publicly accessible. Uh, here in Bethlehem, we have, I mean, the Lehigh Valley is full of parks. Mm-hmm. Uh, in fact, I somebody told me, uh, gosh, this is very irresponsible. I should have a source that I can cite here. But um, all in all, I, what I have heard is that we have uh, the most number of parks per square mile. Uh, I forget what the next city is uh, that has the most parks. It might be New York. Um, shoot. 
You might want to scrub this out. I should know my statistics. I don't, no, no, I don't no, know. No. But anyway, no, that's okay. here's the point. There is nobody in the Lehigh Valley, uh, even in the, in the most central sections of the, of the cities, Allentown, Bethlehem, and Easton, that are any further than a 15-minute walk from publicly accessible park space with trees. Okay. I gotcha. That's, that's green space. Mm-hmm. But to benefit from spending time outside, you don't even need to be in an area surrounded by trees. You can take a walk down a city street um, and still reap some of the benefits. And that's backed up by the science. Mm-hmm. See that I, I've, uh, I've heard the, the stories from Brian, as well as the stories from you on our, on the last time you were here uh, talking about that. And, I can I can attest to not having that feeling walking around uh, a park or any kind of alleged comfortably comfortable area like a park, a state park or whatever. Um, I don't find that it's very difficult for me to um, to walk around and just be completely detached from not what's going on around me, but the stresses of just walking around and being completely aware. So I'm, I'm very interested in to, to see what you have going on. Um, that, that kind of gives that release, um, of what you're talking about. Yeah. I mean, so just out of curiosity, what makes it hard for you to, to sort of decompress, detach, uh, and relax in a, in a public green space? I wouldn't say it's anything specific, but it, maybe being a just a male um, walking around, say, uh, walking around to uh, you know at a local beach or or a local park near me. Um, I'm very just aware of people around me, um, whether they're older or younger. It's not a hostile uh, environment for me, um, much less uh, a place where where I'm judging or anything like that, but I'm just always extremely aware of, of what's going on around me. So I find it unless I'm deep in the woods or out in the mountains or, or maybe on the beach and there's very few people out there to be, to, uh, to be able to relax and just not worry about anything. Um, so just, just my surroundings and, and being aware of the surroundings, um, which maybe that's a little bit of a military thing. Um, but that's definitely something that I have, have trouble with. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's a really important point is that one size does not fit all with any, any intervention, any support system. It's just not the case. So for you, it's, I mean, of course my brain instantly goes to, well, you've had some training and some experiences that probably make it really hard for your brain to shut off unless you know exactly what's around you, especially if there's other people. And that might be an assumption on my part. But regardless, if you know that being in green space, public space where there are a number of other people is somewhere where you're just not going to be able to relax, that's really good insight. Um, mm-hmm. And it means that, and you, I mean, I'm preaching to the choir here, you know this, you seek out places where there are less people and you feel the benefit. The other thing, though, that's interesting, and I'd be curious if we had the technology to be able to do this with you, um, to do some tests and see, because the research suggests that even if you're not feeling relaxed, nature is is working its magic on you. Um, 
you your stress levels are dropping potentially and this is different of course if you're paying attention to all the people around you as long as your heart rate's staying at a good variable healthy level um i think cortisol levels can still drop but i'd be curious anyway i'd be i'd be curious to know if your body is responding and you're just not aware of it um it's possible but well and you've you've had I'm sorry, Brian. Go no, ahead. when when I, I I can I can give a little bit of kind of personal insight to this. Um, when when I was kind of going through some working through some stuff with you, Connor, I believe when we when we went out into the woods, it was on private property, and there were no people around whatsoever, um, and there was no real chance of running running into anybody. And so, you know, my purpose for being out in the woods is far most of the time it's it's for for hunting purposes or for fishing or I'm 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 hiking through it to get somewhere. I'm not necessarily sitting there and kind of, you know, taking in the beauty so much or trying to or even paying attention to any of the, you know, cortisol levels dropping or paying attention to the smells and, you know, this this going through it with Connor, what I, what I gained out of it wasn't an immediate relief from the problems that I was having. It was a slow, gradual move towards awareness of the surroundings that were, you know, the smells, the sights, even the, the smaller things. And so it wasn't, you know, my attention was able to drift off from, you know, the mission at hand, you know, if I was, you know, say the mission was, you know, I'm hunting, I'm looking for something, or if I'm trying to get to a place, it was just a sense of calm that I could just be and exist out in this, you know, quote unquote green space. And, and then having Connor kind of walk me through these, you know, he would check in with kind of the five senses and, Mm -hmm. and, and then very gradually over, you know, the sessions as they moved then I was able to kind of feel that um, I wouldn't necessarily call it a, a, a release, quote unquote, but I was able to feel the calming effects and the benefits of it more and more. And having Connor there and and doing um, you know what he's talking about with Vantage Point, it reinforces it, and you're able to remember those um, those skills, and you're able to build on them over a period of time. Couldn't have said it better myself, Brian. Yeah, it's, it's, it's the truth. You, you know, the Brian used the word relief or release. We, we call it a shift. Um, and everybody it's different every day. Um, everybody has a different experience, but most people overwhelmingly, most people that we do our check-ins and our checkouts with are able to notice and, and very confidently notice a positive shift. Um, doesn't have to be dramatic. Doesn't have to be uh, something where you're blown away by just how intense the shift is. But just like Brian said, you start to build confidence in being able to see and feel a positive change, albeit mm-hmm. sometimes a very subtle one. And that is very empowering. What kind of examples do you have from from your previous uh, patients, so to speak, and I'm sorry if I'm butchering that that terminology, but your previous uh, appointments with other people, what what kind of sh- shifts have 
have they seen um, with with vantage point uh, versus uh, your previous methods before so, uh, all this COVID stuff? Yeah, it's it, we're using similar tools, and the format of the sessions on vantage point uh, are very similar to our outdoor clinical sessions. Um, okay. The format is basically apart from all the. the the waiver signing and stuff like that, the first thing we do is a check-in. And the tool that we use for our check-in and at the end of the session, our checkout, is our Thrive Compass. And there are six facets on the compass that we're taking essentially a pre-measurement, the front end of the session, and a post-measurement on the back end and then comparing the change. Uh, The facets are thoughts, health, resilience, interdependence, uh, vitality and empathy. Um, now it's awesome that those put in that order spell the word thrive, but each one of those things is, uh, each one of those facets is directly shown through research to be positively impacted by spending time outside. Your thoughts go from being muddled and unfocused to being noticeably clearer. Um, your sense of health and health being like everything that contributes to how we consider ourselves being healthy human beings. It's, it's more than just physical health. It's psychological health, social health. Uh, if we're being creative in some way, if we, if we have a spiritual side, everything, you mash that into one and give yourself a score. Um, resilience, you know, how confident Am I in my ability to overcome the hardships that I'm currently enduring or how confident am I in my ability to bounce back from a hardship or challenge that I encounter in the future? Um, Interdependence is sort of just an assessment of who we rely on and who relies on us. Who are we connected to? Who do we depend on? Um, And depend doesn't have to mean like we're leaning on them for our livelihood or or our well-being. It could just be, you know, it could be like somebody who I work with who if they don't get me their files in time, I can't submit the reports that my boss is expecting, right? Um, Vitality is positive life force. Uh, Like how much productive, positive, active energy do I feel like I'm bringing to the task at hand? Uh, And course, empathy is um, our ability to understand the emotional landscapes that other people are navigating and to be able to offer some compassion to them. Um, All six of those things proven through research to be bumped up, move in a positive direction by spending time outside. Um, So when you ask about individual uh, examples, uh, I can tell you like, the first few sessions that people go out with us and we run them through this tool and then they see on paper the changes that have happened. It's usually a uh, pretty excellent moment when you're like, wow, I, I just didn't expect this to happen this way. Even people that love to get outside and know, you know, are familiar with the outdoors, whether they're fishermen or hunters or um, kayakers, skiers, snowboarders, surfers, um, people that love the outdoors, get out regularly, are often shocked 
once they've given a little bit of attention and specific focus on paying attention to these shifts, just how profound um, those shifts can be. Yeah, I was I was going to ask you that um, with with guys that are super active and girls that are really into the outdoors. Um, do you notice different? Um, well, you just said you notice different changes, uh, and they notice their difference. And uh, did they speak? Did they even speak about that they noticed that change in being outdoors and how it it calmed their stress levels and helped them relax and all that? Did they know? Did they notice that prior to dealing with you, or was it kind of dealing with you that opened their eyes um, to this type of treatment? Um, no, no, I think, I think everybody that's drawn to the outdoors, uh, and even some that maybe are, are drawn to it or maybe used to be, but haven't really, uh, utilized green space, uh, meaningfully. And I can, you know, for me, when I was going through burnout years ago before starting reset, that was looking back, of course, it was a huge red flag. I love being outside. I hardly did anything meaningful outdoors for a year and a half. Um, you anyway, said burnout. What, bur- what, is, bur- what is burnout? Oh, burnout is. Uh, gosh, you're gonna. Th- there's definitely a clinical definition of this, and it's not in my brain. Right? It's it's That's in there right. somewhere. I'm not gonna call it up. But burnout is basically when you are uh, totally drained of all of that vitality that we talked about earlier. Your sense of confidence. Your sense of. Uh, of purpose, your sense of satisfaction, work becomes something that you dread rather than look forward to. Um, it's usually indicated by being super irritable and frustrated with people who you care about, usually taking less joy in things that used to bring you a lot of joy. Um, mm-hmm. Sleep gets disrupted. Uh, it's also very closely aligned with increased rates of anxiety and depression. You tend to drink, uh, eat, drink and eat right. more. Um, you know, all these things that we know are not in moderation are fine, but over long periods of time are really unhealthy. Um, I, anyway, uh, that's burnout. That's what I was going through. And now I completely lost my train of thought. What were we talking about? Well, <laughs> Sorry. Well, I, Sorry about I actually that. have the uh, five stages of burnout right here, right in front of ah. me. Ah. And yes. anyhow, it, it, this is where the conversation shifts to fun. <laughs> <laughs> so the five stages of burnout, um, it usually starts with with the honeymoon phase of, of, of starting a new job and everything is new. You have a high energy, high creativity, high satisfaction. Everything is, you know, fucking gravy. And then now you have this, you know, new job and you're taking in all this new stress and it's great. But then, then, you know, something could creep up that causes some undue stress. That is, you know, something that you might not be able to handle and that you, it's just kind of, you know, gets under the skin a little bit. And then that just continues and it isn't kind of resolved and it keeps building. And then eventually all of those symptoms that Connor was talking about are an onset and then this this burnout comes and everything just kind of falls mm-hmm. to the wayside and then this the the next one that's listed here is called habitual burnout to where things can recover and kind of go back to normal but then the cycle kind of continues and so what i think with with green space and what that helps to relieve is that burnout 
And one of the things that I think of is uh, from that I got from reset is kind of a reset of my problems. Um, all of these 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 problems or the issues that I'm dealing with is kind of like smashing the reset button when I head out outdoors into the green space. Is I'm able to one get some awareness on myself, and then two evaluate my problems and evaluate what I've got going on at the time and almost kind of put them in a priority list, you know, prioritize and execute. You know, that's a, that's a military term that, that, that me and, you know, that we've heard and, and has preached, but it also goes to affect our mental health of saying, Hey, you know, this, this takes priority number one and being out there in that green space helps to, at least for me, helps to prioritize, um, you know, prioritize my issues and, and, and helps me think about them in a, in a lot more logical way versus when I'm, I, I know when I'm not spending the appropriate time outside, I, I, all of these, you know, little issues that creep up, they just kind of turn into this jumbled mess, just kind of this big mm-hmm. brain soup. And when I can get out and, I hate to use the word kind of clear my head, but when I can get outside and, and use the tools that are, that, that I learned from Connor to, to become more aware of my surroundings, that then in turn allows me to move on from that to, okay, what's really going on. Right. That, I mean, exactly what you just described, Brian, is, is a perspective shift and that's, exactly what we're going for the emails that you need to respond to the the other like mundane stressors that just pile up just fade away they become so much less important and so much less powerful when you have birds singing to listen to Mm -hmm. and like the sound of water lapping against your boat and the feel of the breeze or, you know, next couple of days up here, the, the just beautiful sight and sound of snow falling. Um, the, it, it brings you into the present in a way that a lot of other tools can't do quite as effectively for as many people. And I think it's just because as human beings, we are a part of the ecosystem around us. We have lost sight of that kind of as a symptom of the modern world, but we're pulled towards it. So, Micah, I just remembered what you asked. Is people that are avid outdoors folk, do they notice or or, are they uh, able to sort of see this for the first time? And the answer is no, um, because I think people that spend a lot of time outside, like you and Brian and myself, we feel it. We know that something good has happened. But when you're able to show people very specifically um, and these six facets that we use in the, in the Thrive Compass are not an exhaustive list. There are many, many, many more. We picked these ones because they felt relevant and they spelled a cool word that we can remember. Um, you know, Thrive is a good word. But mm-hmm. all in all, uh, people know this. People feel it. But when you're able to give them something kind of on paper... Uh, yeah. with definitions that, that points to research, they can then feel it gives them a level of uh, detailed awareness that yeah. becomes a whole lot more, I, I would argue, a whole lot more um, 
executable, right? Operationalizable. Right. Well, and and I I asked because I, I know a lot of people use the the method of working out outdoors to get a bit of a release or or to kind of de-stress. And and I I've done it, you know, a thousand times and and had to, you know, it was all wound up about something, maybe aggravated about something, and and then go run. You know, and, and I, of course, I love to run on the beach and so run on the beach. And then, you know, after the first, you know, mile or so, your 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 ang- your your aggravation turns into anger, you know, and you're pissed off even more. Now you're running faster. And then over time, as your run gets longer and longer, the headphones come off. And next thing you know, you're, you're running kind of wind, you know, wind in your face, listening to the ocean and everything seems to fade away with with a little bit of time and i found that time um it's easier once you notice it that time uh for it to fade away gets uh, it gets shorter and once you get outside you're able to uh know what kind of what you need to do without your thrive method but i found that once i get out there it's like okay i know i need to go go, 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 and just get away. And then over time, that that anger or whatever I'm going through is going to kind of fade away. And the next thing you know, you're you're running in the cool breeze and, and the only thing you want to do is listen to the water and everything just seems like you said shifts um, from one side to the other. Yeah, the stuff that really matters stays in your brain. And the stuff mm-hmm. that doesn't matter so much fades away. And honestly, right. man, you could I, I couldn't have described that better myself. Like I felt, I know that feeling that you're talking about. And the way yeah. that you described it is spot on uh, to the point, and your point about like the time taking less as you kind of build that awareness and that confidence. Um, I remember, I, I well, okay, not with tremendous detail, but I remember being amazed when I just didn't even want to take headphones on my run anymore. Yeah. Um, <laughs> You know, the first 10 minutes kind of suck, especially where I live. There's tons of hills, so I'm constantly running hills. Um, But I don't even, I don't take them. I don't take headphones anymore because uh, once I drop down into the trees, there's so much other stuff I'd rather listen to. And my thoughts are clearer. Like I can, I can tangle with stuff. I can think, you know, what what am I going to build this weekend? What's something, what's a project I want to work on? Or, you know, especially with work all kinds of cool ideas and uh, strategic concepts have bubbled out of that space. Um, Right. I found, I found that thankfulness is one of those things that I get um, and not to get all sentimental on it, but definitely once you, once you hit that level uh, and I, and I haven't even gone through for any, for anyone listening, you know, I haven't gone through uh, your program, which of course I'd love to, um, so it probably takes me even longer um, than than you or or Brian, but uh, going through that, uh, and uh, now I just lost my train of thought. Um, <laughs> but but yeah, going through that, you know that that time lapse seems to get a little bit shorter and shorter. And and mine, you know, from the anger side, or not that I'm furious or pissed off or whatever, but um, the aggravation and. Uh, the headphones and the type of music that you listen to uh, in that first 10 minutes is like, you know, you're listening to God smacked and, you know, like five finger death punch. And the next thing you know, it's the headphones come off and, 
and it's knees in the breeze almost. Um, and so, yeah, that, but like I said, it'd be really interesting to see uh, the time lapse on me in my situation. If I, you know, is to compare, um, the way I do it and to compare the way you, uh, your program works to see how, how fast my release would be, so to speak. Well, I, I mean, now I'm just genuinely curious. Um, but immediately after my thought of like, yeah, man, I wonder how, I wonder how long it takes. And maybe we ought to, maybe we ought to do a little, like between the three of us here, do a little mini study just to see what, what the differences are. But, um, really, I don't think it matters because as long as it's working, as long as you know, it works. And as long as you know that you can utilize it when you have need or even better are using it regularly as a preventative measure, right? This is the whole self-care Mm-hmm. aspect of a vantage point um then you're you're good it's good like don't it, it doesn't matter if it takes you five minutes to get to that space or 35 minutes as long as you're sticking it out until you get there um that's as long as long as it's working for you that's that's the point that i'm trying to make um one of the if it's working one of the stick with it the really distinct benefits that I, that I've found, um, from the whole process is humility. And it, it, Mm. it always kind of, for me, it always starts with this little, with a, with a very small, maybe insignificant thing, such as even just a, a tree or a big fucking rock. And you stand there. And once you get to a point where you've kind of, you know, checked in, cleared your head and you're, and you're, and you're kind of moving through this green space and you're picking apart all of these different things. Maybe it's a dilapidated structure or maybe just a pile of fucking rocks. And you look at it and you're like, you know, this was, this was, this was here way before I was on this earth and it'll be here long after I'm gone. And, you know, some of the, some of the pictures that you shared from your time, uh, spent in Georgia, Micah, the landscape that you were at, you look at it and just even looking at the pictures, you're like, wow, that that's been there for, you know, who knows how many years and you feel, but that humility that you feel you're able to carry on and you can look at things and appreciate them for what they are. Right. And, 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 and that humility builds into this, this thankfulness of, of what we have. And today in the, in the, in the, the current climate that we have, you know, being thankful is going to, I believe, get us through the situation that we're all currently facing. Right. Because, you know, it can be, you know, doom and gloom as much as you make it and it's terrible and it's awful, but finding ways to stay humble and still remain thankful for the, for the things that you, that you do have and your ability to get out into this space and provide yourself with the self-care. And that's, that is amazing. Absolutely amazing. Well, you, you said, uh, humility and, and, uh, that's such a, that's spot on. I'll leave it at that. That's spot on. Because you can compare it to um, when you were in Washington, you know, mm-hmm. for anybody that's that maybe isn't listening and, and, and doesn't know that we have an Instagram page. Uh, we, we, do, uh, we do post a lot of 
stuff from our experiences and and brian you know like you said the pictures from you in washington and then the fires in montana and just like you said the humility the ocean Mm -hmm. you know georgia when i was out there and humility is the only word in my that in that comes across my mind that that even compares Mm -hmm. uh i mean or even relates um so yeah it's it's an it's an amazing feeling when you look at something and and go that that is so much bigger than anything that any problem that I've ever had. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that you know that 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 <laughs> that big freaking mountain or the that you know the rock they don't care about your problems. <laughs> you know, <laughs> no, they don't. They don't give a shit. And you know, when I was when I was in Washington, I, I ran into some pretty serious signs of, of very large predators, big kitty cats and, and bears. And you look at that, that <laughs> sign, you know, the bear scat and the, the cougar markings on the trees and you look at it and you're like, these things don't care that I'm stressed out or have <laughs> any of that. They don't give a shit. Right. <laughs> yeah. And you better stay on your toes. You're going to have a lot more problems than, than what's rolling around in your head. But it, 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 right. that humility is one of the, the the greatest benefits. So in the literature, they specifically two concepts emerge. And the first one is gratitude. Mm-hmm. And the second one is awe. And so when you talk about humility, I think humility is sort of a combination of those two things. Mm-hmm. Um, and you, when you talk about these experiences that you had, I, 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 I hear aspects of uh, gratitude and awe in both of those things. And what the literature says is that when you experience gratitude and when you experience a sense of awe, right, of just standing next to a mountain feelings entire it's really to me it's kind of paradoxical because you feel so small but that feels so good Mm -hmm. you know what i mean like you it's like brian's point about the things that are rattling inside of your brain don't matter at all and that is incredibly comforting and so what the research says is that when you are confronted with a situation where you were just completely and totally in awe of something and not even necessarily like completely overwhelmed by a sense of awe, even just thinking, wow, this, this boulder is incredible. Um, that is incredibly therapeutic. It is really freaking good for us as is the experience of gratitude. And I know lately, uh, you know, the fall up here in the Northeast is one of my favorite times of year. The leaves change and it is just, you know, some years it's not so spectacular. This year was stunning. And to watch the changes occur in the trees, always just, I feel incredibly grateful to witness that. And I'm expecting a massive snowstorm tomorrow and I am expecting to feel the same type of gratitude. Um, But the research says that those experiences of awe and gratitude, and I think also what you're talking about, a humility, are, it's it's a protective experience. It helps us in ways that uh, the research is just starting to tease out. Um, Physically, psychologically, socially, we benefit from putting ourselves in places where we can feel grateful and also just be in awe of the wonders that exist around us. Yeah. Uh, yeah. The, it's like, we, you know how when uh, 
you have a topic that everyone can relate to. Everyone just keeps wanting to put in that, well, yeah, and this, and then that, and then, you know, it's like, and I can keep going, and you can keep going about case (laughs) after case, about area after area that you've been through. It's like a never-ending thing, especially for people that that are, you know, in the outdoors and that enjoy the outdoors. And, you know, my thing's the ocean. And, and but then again, we were out in the, in the mountains the other day. And, and you're right, the, the all, when you get out there, it's like, it's again, like you said, you, you don't have time to think about anything else. You're consumed with the greatness of, of the outdoors. And if you, if you let yourself, um, it's almost a, it's almost a necessity to not think about anything else. Because if you do in Brian's case in, in Washington, you start thinking about anything else, you could be putting yourself in a, in a very tough situation with, uh, with bear scat, <laughs> <laughs> you know, in my situation in, you know, in the ocean with, with sharks looming, you know, like it, it's like you, you don't, you're not on your toes. Uh, you can, you can let the, let the bad come out real quick uh, and get worse. But yeah, and the, the other thing too that that comes about is the awareness of how much time you you do spend in your kind of protective bubble. And I, I did a little bit of, Ooh, yes. of research on um, on green space uh, for a, for a paper I did while I was in school. And there was, I can't recall the statistic, but there was a, a very vast percentage of the time that your modern human spends without even touching the dirt. Um, you know, we're surrounded by a, by a concrete jungle. You know, you, you, you walk from your, from your house straight to your car, you get in your car, you go to work, you leave work, you get in your car, you head back home. And you're kind of, it, not to sound, you know, anti-technology but that is a that is a very very big shift from our evolution as humans um to be able to be outside of the elements you know it was far more common for for a human you know a hundred years ago to have a lot more green space interaction than they do today and you know we have a very long line of 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 evolution and and dealing with stuff that is no doubt hardwired into our brains as far as you know being able to reset our emotions and reset our prioritizing of problems and so once i became uh, you know aware of the amount of time that i spend you know kind of I, i call it like you know that that protective little bubble and not going outside of it in there the more i spend inside of that the, not necessarily the worse I feel, but I feel that kind of that brain fog kind of set in of being set mm-hmm. into this mundane routine that just that just rolls. And so being aware of that and being aware of the benefits of green space, it, it's just another tool in the toolbox to get through, you know, what I'm going through at the time. Right. Well, Connor, can you can you maybe shed some light on um, any differences that you've noticed from being out, say, in the wilderness versus just taking one of your one of your forty five minute walks? Of, of course, there's some severity to that uh, being out, you know, hundreds of miles from civilization. But can you get the same thing? Uh, so to speak, from walking in the park through with your the methods that you use in Vantage Point, 
Um, can you get the same thing with just a, a, a walk in the park, like what you what you guys are doing? Yes, except so um, I so first just full disclosure, I am also someone who is drawn to wilderness. I, I would always rather be somewhere where there are less people uh, further removed, like just way the heck out there. Um, that's, mm-hmm. I love that. Uh, whether it's the mountains or the ocean um, and everything in between the desert, that's as long as we're, you know, one or two people, good people that I want to be around. Great. Um, but that's, that's the best. So, that's where my head goes. But when we talk about what the research shows, physiologically, the response is the same. The difference is that the longer, the, the, the duration of time you spend outside leads to longer lasting impact. So if you're spending, the, the, right now, we're recommending a minimum of two hours a week for sustainable positive changes. Um, in all of the six facets that we mentioned earlier and that's again backed up by pretty solid research so it ends up being a little bit under 20 minutes a day spent outdoors if you can do that you're going to notice a positive shift uh, in a week or two if you are spending three days consistently unplugged outdoors in green space so this is like you're on a camping trip um you're for me when we go camping we want to be we don't want to see another person. Um, yeah. So we're, you know, we're way the heck out there. Um, if you do that for three days, the benefits, uh, which are reduced stress hormones in our brain, uh, all the way on up to improved cognitive functioning, creative problem solving and focus, uh, empathy, um, those measurably increase and the benefits persist for over a month. Really? Yep. That's called well, the three-day effect, and that's uh, that study was done by uh, Dr. Strayer from the University of Utah, I believe. Um, well, there there must be levels of that because I, I know with talking to Brian when he goes out to Montana and, and Washington, he he's explained, and Brian, maybe you can uh, verify this, but he's explained the detachment from that you have from you guys call Philly the busy area and or, or Stroudsburg <laughs> or or Allentown where, wherever you know y'all want to call it you guys call it you know crazy hectic and 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 that's completely absurd to someone that lives in a town or a city <laughs> you know it's like there's this is nothing you know um but then he's he's talked a little bit about traveling to say Montana and then having to adjust to being out there. Yeah. And then having to adjust to come back is even harder. Uh, so, Brian, if you don't mind talking about that a little bit. Yeah. I, I, when, I, when I head out to Montana, um, the, the place that I go is, is pretty remote. And cell phones, you don't get a cell phone signal um, where I stay. There is, there is a Wi-Fi, so there is kind of a, an electronic tether to you, so to speak. But in order for that cell phone to work, you have to be within 50 feet of the house. And so the, 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 the type of things that, that, that you know I do out there obviously are 
well well outside that reach and so you know what i notice for the first day or two is there's like this uh compelling use of my phone there's like this compelled like oh my god i'm not connected to you know text messages or emails or or anything like that i'm not connected to it and it it doesn't it's not a panic inducing thing but it's it's in my brain and for uh, you know the, over the next couple days that gradually subsides and i more or less just forget all about it and then it turns into um just a, a shift in focus to like what connor said to where this 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 brain soup slowly just kind of melts away and then i kind of am able to just be and I find this kind of relaxing thing. I find that my my mood is better, my sleep is better, and it and it and it and it goes like that. But when I make this return, um, it, it I wouldn't necessarily call it stressful, but it's kind of like this yo-yo effect of it comes right back up, and then you are plugged into you know the the text message, email, phone call, you know, kind of back to you know reality. And what I see. Is like, well, what reality is more healthy for me? Um, and and that is a very balanced uh, measure of of this green space exposure and kind of disconnecting, and then bringing it back into okay, now I got to get back to my kind of daily schedule. And so, you know, over the course of time that I transitioned from being in the military to getting out. You know, when I would when I would go out to those go out to Montana or Washington, and I was able to disconnect and then come back, I I wasn't I was missing the key part of, uh, you know, employing that green space when I got back to my my you know my home my local area, and I would just fall back into this routine of you know getting up, going to work, coming home, and you know dealing with just problems and problems and problems, and not initiating that self care, and it took me. Um, quite a while to be able to figure it out, you know, with Connor's help of, Hey, you know, this is something that has to be maintained. It isn't, it isn't something that's just a, a one and done, you know, trip, you know, once a year, you know, it's, it's gotta be something that's consistent and, and getting, gaining that knowledge through, you know, reset, resets program, you know, the, the outdoor therapy, and then the way that this vantage point is working is going to be very beneficial for people to kind of arm themselves with that knowledge and being able to, you know, take a break and disconnect and just reset what's going on, prioritize, and then move forward. Right. Prioritize and execute. Yeah. You know, I, I was talking about it with, uh, with a friend of mine and <clears throat> when I moved out here, um, I decided that I was going to spend the entire summer, um, being on the beach, uh, for as, as long as possible in the morning before I went to work. Um, and whether that was 45 minutes or an hour or whatever. And, um, and I'm, you know, I incorporated, uh, some diving, some snorkeling and stuff and, and if the if there was ever any surf, I would throw that in there too. But the the ability I that I had to problem solve 
during work. Seen, and I'm not trying to just agree with everything you guys are saying, but it it it's definitely become a little bit more apparent uh, that I had less stress, that I was able to problem solve a, a new job and the the stresses of trying to learn a new job. And if you don't learn that new job, you don't get paid. Um, so all of these things I was trying to do, but I realized that the the spending. 45 minutes to an hour plus at the beach in the morning before work was probably one of the more healthier things that I've ever done. And the clarity that I gained from it was, I just, I felt that kind of the, as dumb as it sounds, the stars were so to speak aligning with my future in, in where I needed to be and things were just working out more. Um, it's like wow, life life isn't a, is a isn't a isn't a dump anymore. You know, like things, th- yeah, it might be all right now. You know, and and I I definitely can attribute that to spending that time um, in the ocean and outdoors before work. I mean that the, exactly. I, I don't. I don't, I don't I, 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 I'm like thinking of all these things I want to add to it, but you said it so beautifully. It's it's exactly right. It's I'm I'm, I'm wearing a reset outdoors shirt right now. <laughs> by the way, <laughs> checks in the mail, buddy. No, yeah. no, the, the, no. The, 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 no, the truth of the matter is, is that this is this is exactly the point. Is that it's some step along the way here in our relatively recent collective history. In the modern world, right, it, more specifically here in the U.S., we uh, we lost sight of this fundamental fact, and that is we operate better, we function better, we are healthier creatures when we make time to be outside. That's it. I mean, it's 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 that simple. Um, and I, I think it's elegantly beautiful uh, and makes me really glad to hear the examples that you guys have of where you feel this and you see its impact and in all the areas of your life, relationships, professionally, um, because it's true. We, be, we just become healthier. We're, we're better partners. We're better friends. We're better employees. Um, we get more done with less effort. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I mean, uh, we're kind of coming up on time right now. Um, Micah, do you have a, a, a Medal of Honor citation that uh, you would like to close us out on? Uh, the Medal of Honor we're going to read today is for uh, Mr. John Chapman. Um, and the Medal of Honor reads, uh, Technical Sergeant John A. Chapman distinguished himself by extraordinary heroism as an Air Force Special Tactics combat controller attached to a Navy sea, air, and land SEAL team conducting reconnaissance operations in Takurga, Afghanistan on March 4, 2002. During the insertion, the team's helicopter was ambushed, causing a teammate to fall into an entrenched group of enemy combatants below. Sergeant Chapman and the team voluntarily inserted onto the snow-capped mountain in the heart of a known enemy stronghold to rescue one of their own. Without regard for his own safety, Sergeant Chapman immediately engaged 
moving in the direction of the closest enemy position despite coming under heavy uh, fire from multiple directions. He fearlessly charged an enemy bunker up a steep incline in thigh-deep snow and into hostile fire, directly engaging the enemy. Upon reaching the bunker, Sergeant Chapman assaulted the cleared and po- assaulted and cleared the position, killing all enemy occupants. With a complete disregard for his own life, Sergeant Chapman deliberately moved from cover only 12 meters from the enemy and exposed himself once again to attack a second bunker, from which in place a machine gun was firing on his team. During this assault from an exposed position directly in the line of intense fire, Sergeant Chapman was struck and injured by enemy fire. Despite severe mortal wounds, he continued to fight relentlessly, sustaining a violent engagement with multiple enemy personnel before making the ultimate sacrifice. By his heroic actions and extraordinary valor, sacrificing his life for the lives of his teammates, Technical Sergeant Chapman upheld the highest traditions of the military service and reflected great credit upon himself and the United States Air Force. And that wraps up our episode for today. Um, Connor, why don't you uh, give the listeners a quick uh, rundown on on where we can contact you uh, and uh, give us an email, maybe an Instagram or any kind of social media outlets that you have, if you don't mind. Uh, I don't. And I, man, listen, I just appreciate so much you guys reading these Medal of Honor stories. They're, man. What a story! Oh my gosh. Anyway, they're they're uh, uh, they're they're hard to read for sure. Yeah. Well, it's just talk about a sense of awe and gratitude, right? Like, truthfully. Uh, on that note, let me tell you how you all can contact me. <laughs> no, uh, the the best is Connor at resetoutdoors.com. That's my email address. Uh, Instagram Reset Outdoors. Um, LinkedIn is pretty good right now. Connor M. Moriarty uh, and Reset Outdoors is also on LinkedIn. What else is there? Facebook, Reset Outdoors on Facebook. Uh, email is going to be the best. Email or smoke signals. Um, I really prefer smoke signals uh, <laughs> just Check. because uh, I'd, rather, I'd rather look at the sky and watch for smoke signals than wait for my phone to buzz to let me know that somebody sent me a message on LinkedIn. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Um, well, great, uh, Connor. Once again, thank you for uh, for coming on and uh, for the second time, and and we appreciate everything. And for those of you listening, this is Micah and Brian out.